Welcome to Sober Sisters Talk. I'm MG. And I'm Elizabeth Pudwell. Welcome. The speaker series happens once a month. This will be part of our weekly Zoom meeting that happens every Friday night. If you would like to be a part of that meeting, you have to be female. And send us an email at SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com. If you would like to tell your story, please reach out to SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com. We want to have more stories out there in order to help other women. And here's our next speaker. Thanks for listening. Also, we'd love to invite you to a Zoom meeting this Friday night at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. If you're interested, email SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com and we'll send you the meeting information and password. We hope to see you this Friday. You know, sometimes doing this particular service is can be overwhelming because all of a sudden I'll be like, I don't have anybody to tell their story. And then I'll sit in another meeting or I'll sit here and I'll start writing down names and ask people to tell their story and they go, yes, I want to. And um, I heard this woman, I, I met her here, you know, she lives across the country from us and I feel so close to her. And um, I asked her and she said, yes, I think she forgot, but she checked with me today. She said, am I supposed to do this tonight? And I said, yes, you are. And she said, oh, okay, how do I do that? And I gave her a little bit of boundaries and, um, you know, she might not use the uh, 40 minutes, which is totally permissible. You know, if you can do it in 10, you can do it in 10, but it doesn't matter. But we're really, I am very, very excited to um, hear the complete story of many. Thank you, Elizabeth and MG, for first of all, for your service. Um, this meeting is just wonderful, and you too, I know you do a lot to get it together. So first of all, I want to thank you. Um, Miriam, your timing, I'd yeah, say how about 10, 10, and 10, well, 10. When, I'm, yeah, when I get down to 10 minutes, let me know, okay? So you want me to let you know at 30 minutes that you have 10 minutes left? Yes, and if I even get that far, but, you know, just in case. You got it. And thank you, Elizabeth, for the format, because uh, it's basically the AA format when you do your share, but, you know, it's always nice to hear what it is again. So thank you for that. I'm Nettie, and I am a relationship, uh, relationship love addict, I guess, if I want to call it that. Um my sex days are pretty, you know, pretty well behind me, but, uh, but I still like to be intimate. So I'm going to start with, and I don't know if this is, this is okay or not, but this is how I'd like to start. And that's with the state of grace that the reading for today, because it was really good. And, uh, it, it said a lot for me. So in case you didn't get a chance to read it, I'm going to read it. August 12th meetings. A meeting can serve as a focal point for sharing experience, strength, and hope concerning recovery from sex and love addiction, a place to which new people can be directed. Working with others was the best way to thwart that erosion of consciousness, which was such a drastic character, what was such a characteristic of the disease. And that's from the SLAA basic text, page 121 goes on to say, I used to go to 312 step meetings a day. That was the only place I felt relief from my various addictions. 
I gathered strength to continue in my recovery from the small group of people in those cramped meeting rooms. I would complain about the coffee or on the uncomfortable, the uncomfortable seats at first, but as the meeting went on, all those concerns melted away. I heard stories of strength and courage. I usually heard exactly what I needed to hear to help me in that moment with whatever I was going through. I saw people with light in their eyes who no longer walked around in the fog of addiction. Most of them had service commitments at the meeting. There were treasurers, greeters, secretaries, and SLAA literature sales commitments. Working as a team, they made sure there, were, there was a place for newcomers and old timers to go and help each other recover. I am grateful that there are meetings available in my area. That wasn't the case in previous years. I had to struggle to get to a meeting, but it taught me more discipline than I ever had before. When I really needed a meeting, I had, I had to do the work. Like my sponsor used to say, if your pants are on fire, don't debate it, just jump in the river. And then the, it says, I attend SLAA meetings regularly, and I am grateful for collective wisdom that I find there. And I thought that was a great reading today. So now I will go on with my, my share. So, um, I am, I, I have, I have been, uh, no contact with my qualifier of nine years since March 11th of 2021. And I counted that down. It was 18 months yesterday. Um, so, uh, um, that was, I never thought that I would get to this point without a, without contact with him. And so now I'm going to tell you how I, I came into these rooms. Well, not yet. I'll tell you what happened before I came into these rooms. Um, I wasn't one of these type of people that was in many relationships. I went to an all girls school, um, in high school and, um, I didn't date much. I never had the confidence. I never, if somebody was attracted to me, then I would, you know, think, oh, that's great. I'll go out with them, whether I like them or not. So I never really dated much. And even as I, as I got out of high school and I, you know, I didn't go to college. So, you know, I sort of, whoever I met at a bar or whatever, you know, just because at that time, that's what it was. You guys might wait probably before your time, but anyway, that's the kind of club and I did. And, um, so I, you know, I, I dated a little bit, but I, I was very, I was always uncomfortable on my skin. I just never felt like, like there was like, I, I never like would go after, well, I shouldn't say never, but I, I had, I, I rarely went after a relationship. I sat back and waited for someone to approach me. And if, and I, that's how, that's how little confidence I had in myself. And, um, and then I was also, uh, always battling with my weight up and down and up and down. So when I, when my weight was up, I wouldn't go anywhere. I isolated and I'd go to Weight Watchers. And I know this isn't, uh, this isn't anything about food, but this is part of my journey. Uh, and then I would go to, um, Weight Watchers, lose some weight and then go out and see if I could find somebody, somebody would be attracted to me. And then I would go out and gain weight back. And I was always a yo-yo back and forth. So, um, Anyway, uh, I was married a short time, like a little bit over three years. And um, 
and that didn't work out. So then I was single all my life. I've been single and, and, you know, dated off and on a couple of guys, but nothing really, you know, that long. Um, but when I, um, I guess I was by myself for over 17 years and, um, and I got used to that. I was very comfortable with being alone. I just, I never understood these girls that would say, oh, I can't stand being alone. I just didn't understand that. Just, I didn't know why. Anyway, um, and so when I moved here, this house I have now, I'm in now, I was uh, not dating anyone and I didn't have any intentions of it. My mom moved in with me and, uh, and she used to say to me, Nettie, why don't you go out somewhere, see if you can meet somebody? I said, hey, Ma, I'm over 50 years old. Who's going to look at me? Where am I going to go? Am I go to a bar? You know? So anyway, so that's the you know, kind of thing. And I didn't care. I really didn't care. It was, um, I don't know. It, I was like, I was like, like I had a shield up. I didn't, I didn't really care to meet anybody. Well, um, I was working with the coworker and I were going out to, to, um, to dinner and, uh, and she, she said she wanted to go to this fire hall first and play her numbers or whatever they do at fire halls. I said, okay. So I went with her and she introduced me to this guy that I was my qualifier, got me here. And, um, so we, uh, I talked to him and I, and she said to me, why don't you flirt with him? And I thought, flirt with him. I never I don't even know what that is anymore. And, uh, she said, oh, you know, come on, just talk to him, say hi. And I said, so anyway, I said to him, he was selling the raffle tickets. I said, do you come with those raffle tickets? And, and, then he, you know, he took up on that. So anyway, so I talked to him for a little bit and I, then he had asked for my number after I left this late other lady and, uh, and he didn't call me for like, they told me he was going to call me and he never called me for a couple of months. And I didn't care because I was afraid. I didn't really want to go out with him anyway. But then he called and I was so scared because at this point I was in a recovery program for food and for overeating. And, um, and I didn't, um, I didn't want to, um, show that I didn't want to come out with that to, to anybody. I just, you know, I didn't feel comfortable going out and eat, eating and that. I was, anyway. My girlfriend said, what's the worst thing that could happen? Go out with him one time, you don't like him, and that's it. Well, we did. We went out, and I was immediately taken by him. You know, I was smitten with the man. And uh, and so um, uh, he, he called me after two months, so, and, and, uh, and so I did, I went out with him. And he was, um, you know, he took me to a, a concert and then we, had, we went out for something to eat afterwards. And then the drinking started with that too, you know, having some wine or, you know, whatever. And uh, anyway, so uh, as, as I got to know him, oh, and, and he was very open, very, he was, he was always, uh, he had no filter. You know, he was the type of person who said whatever he wanted to say. So, um, let me see where I'm at here. So anyway, um, I, I, you know, I was really, I, I really liked him because he, he could do handyman work and I needed someone to do that. And so I thought, and I think that's why I fell in love with, I fell in love with him because he, you know, he put a deck on my, on my, 
on my porch or on the back, you know, in the back. He put in a new floor here. He put in a new floor here. He took my rugs out, did my part, good floors. I mean, how could I not fall in love with this man? He was handy, and that's what I needed. I thought God answered all my prayers. But I had to deal with his character defects, too. And he had a lot for me to handle. Uh, he was he had no filter. Uh, he was a uh, type of person that was um, criti critical. And uh, he said a lot of things that were hurtful. And I was sensitive. I didn't know how to take out. And he, well, I'll give you an example is um, he always was looking at women with, with chests, you know, with a nice chest. And, and he would always point it out, you know, wow, look at the, look at the boobs on her, you know, da, 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 da. and I thought, is there something wrong with me? You know, maybe I'm just his friend, you know, maybe, and I kept on this stuff. I was always trying to internalize it, making it about me, something wrong with me. So one day I, I, I said to him, um, can I ask you a question? I said, if you like women that are well endowed, then what the hell are you doing with me? I wear a 32A bra, you know, what are you doing with me? And after that, he quit. He didn't say that anymore, but he did other things. He did like, he would look at women or he would talk to somebody or he would get up and dance with somebody or and I'm a very jealous person. And I don't like that. It's a character defect for me. But it's something that I, I felt that he was pushing that button. Well, he also got into porn. And he did it on my computer. And I didn't like it because I didn't want any, I didn't want that stuff on my computer. And so when he, um, I, I caught him a couple of times and he denied it. He lied. He would lie. He would downright just lie to me. And and I kept pushing this shit under the rug, pushing it under the rug. There, there, there was a lump in this rug this big. And I just kept pushing it and pushing it because I didn't want to let go. I, I was afraid. I was really afraid. So um, he had health issues. He had no money. And he had, uh, he had divorced his wife and had children, older children, but they never accepted me. And it was like, I felt like I was part of that breakup, but I wasn't, I didn't even know him when, when, he was, when he got divorced. So I was never really accepted by his family either. Um, we broke up the first time and, and, um, and for about a month and, uh, and I used to tell my friends about him all the time and they'd say, run away from him, get out, don't get out of that relationship, get out now. And I'd say, well, yeah, but, yeah, but, and I always had a reason to stay or I would, and I'd cut the guy up and down, up and down to, to everybody, my friends, my, my customers, everybody, anybody that would listen, I'd tell them how awful he was. And, uh, but yet I stayed with him and, um, and so uh, the first time we broke up, like I said, uh, we were about a month and then he called me and I went back and everybody was like, I can't believe and I said, yeah, yeah, okay. The second time we broke up um, for about a month and again, I went back. But the third time we broke up, I was ready and I knew that I needed more and this man was not able to give me what I needed. 
And one of the things it says here in our um, characteristics, uh, the characteristics of sex and love addiction, number 12, we assign magical qualities to others. We idealize and pursue them, then blame them for not fulfilling our fantasies and expectations. Bam, right there, I knew I was in the right place because that's what I was. I was expecting this person that had no idea how to, how to be the kind of person I wanted to be with. No idea. So it was on me. I did have to look at my part in that. Um, so we broke up in March, uh, March 11th, and it was a text. Uh-huh. We were right in, right in with the today's, today's way of breaking up, broke up on a text. And, um, he, uh, he, he, he ghosted me and I thought, no, he ain't, you're not going this to me. So I blocked him and that was it. And I blocked him before I even came into this program I blocked him, but no more. I can't do this anymore. No more, no more. So I, um, I went on Google and, oh, wait, so uh, a while ago before this, when I was complaining to my one friend that's in program, I was complaining to her about him. And she said, Nettie, I think you should try this program. And it was this program, SLAA. And I said, oh, and I, I never did. I wasn't ready. So then now I looked up on Google. I said, but, you know, what, um, what, uh, how, is there any 12-step groups for, heart, um, for heartbroken people? And SLAA come up, came up, and I said, ooh, Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. That's like sort of like I thought it was just all about porn, you know, people with porn, porn, porn problems, and, you know, is that what it's going to be? But you know what? I was so desperate. I didn't care. I knew I needed something. And so I called. I started going on meetings. I found, I went online. Thank God it was during Zoom because there was so many meetings during Zoom. And, um, and so they, you know, that I, I went on meetings that were men and women. There were people in the men and there were women in there, you know, talking about porn, uh, you know, problems with, uh, you know, sexual um, relationships and, you know, what they did. I didn't care. I wasn't being judgmental. All I wanted to do was get help. I just wanted to get help. And I stayed in those meetings. I did service. I did whatever I had to do to not think about going back with him again and I did but I had a hell of a time finding a sponsor oh god it was awful and I remember one day I was down my, in my basement I had already been you know acquainted with the program but I you know I was I had a customer and I thought dear I said dear god and oh I'm I'm in a couple programs okay so <laughs> I said dear god please 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 help me to get through this today and I came up and I made a phone call in, in one of these telephone meetings, and I just just jumped right in, and I said, "Please help me to get started. I can't. I can't do this anymore. I'm crying." And this man had this other woman take my phone number, and she called me, and then she set me up with a sponsor. And this woman is wonderful. She is. She has been my rock through this program. She listened to me. She, um, she helped me through the times that he tried to reach out to me and I called her the last time I called her. And I know I told this story before, but it's, it's like, it gave me so much strength 
it, it, I can't believe, I know I would have never been able to do that if I wasn't in this program. He sent me a card or a letter or something. And it, this was in May. And my birthday was in May and so was his. And so he sent me this, this thing in the mail and I knew it was from him because he had a return address on it. And my sister was here and I couldn't say anything. I didn't want to say anything to her because she would have encouraged me to open that thing. So I waited until she left and then I called my sponsor and I said, um, this is what happened. And she says, what do you want to do? She didn't tell me what to do. She asked me, what do you want to do? Do you want to, you know, want to open it? And I said, no, I said, because I know if I open that thing, it's Pandora's box for me. I will go back because in my heart, I still am trying to look at my, that's why I'm having, I think, such a hard time with this fourth step. And that's because, you know, I'm having a hard time at looking at my part in it and not feeling guilt because that, you know, that handyman thing I told you about, I have a lot of guilt over that yet, but I did things for him. But yeah, you know, this rationalizing that goes on in my head, I can't help it. It just, it's like pulling me type or this uh, type of warrior. But, um, so anyway, my, my sponsor said, uh, you know, do you want to open it? And I said, no. And she said, okay, we'll throw it away. I said, I can't, if I just throw it away, I know I'm going to dig it out of the garbage. It's like, it'd be like alcohol or, you know, putting an alcohol in there and not emptying the bottle first, you know, or for me, food, you know, something else and putting that in there and then not salvaging, trying to see what you could salvage. <laughs> it didn't get damaged from the other garbage. Anyway. I took the letter and, and with my, my sponsor on a phone, I shredded it. And that was such a growing experience for me. I never knew I had that kind of strength. And I'll tell you right now, I never would have had that strength if I didn't hear all the strength and the hope I get in these rooms. And I really mean that because I have gotten more out of coming to these meetings and people sharing their pain and how they can, how they've grown, the people that have grown through it. And, you know, like Elizabeth has a, a friendship plan and I asked her to send that to me because you know what? It's not just intimate relationships with a partner I have to work on. I have to work on all relationships because I can fuck everything up. You know, friendships that I have like pushed to the side because you know, I can't accept them as they are. You know, there's so many things that this program is probably the hardest one I've worked. And this program is the most important one for me. It has given me so much. And that, you know what it's teaching me? It's teaching me to love myself for me, for who I am, to love myself, warts and all, as they say in Illinois, warts and all, because I, I'm a good person. I have my warts, yes, but I am a good person and I deserve what I want. And I think I can get that. You know, I wanna move on with my steps. I've been really resting on my laurels, you know, sitting on my ass and not doing anything. But I know I need to move on because I think I fear the, the, final, the final arrival of the program or whatever, the steps, 
and that's making a sober dating plan if I want to date. I mean, I don't even know if I want to go there again, but then maybe I have to look at the anorexic part of this program. I don't know, but just for today, this day only, I want to work on the steps because I just want to get to be feel better each day, one day at a time. So, um, yeah, I think I'm going to end. Uh, and I do want to say, I have it written here real quick. I want to just say that. See if I can find it. I think sometimes you're better off not having cards and just saying what the heck you want to say. Okay. I am grateful to my qualifier for one, for getting me to address my alcohol problem. Two, for all he had done for me to help me in my home. Three, for getting me to the point of wanting more for myself and now realizing I don't have to be in a relationship to feel good about myself. And finally, I am blessed and grateful to have this program. My sisters in SLAA that have been teaching me to love myself and loving me no matter what. And I pass. Thank you. That's it for this month's speaker meeting. Stay tuned to Sober Sisters Talk for next month's speaker. Thank you.